Salutations, peace and blessings. You're listening to the Kneel Down Podcast. I am your host, The Commish, and we are going through the weekend that is March Madness. I know a lot of you are watching the March Madness games, the college basketball games for both men and women. And let me just say, before I go deep into the show, that I do not like the way that they handled everything with the women's basketball teams. Uh, You know, it's a testament to where we are in this day and age where we really need to get our act together. You know, it blows my mind that you have Division One schools all playing for the same purpose, separate locations, but we can't seem to do what's right for the women with regards to what we do for the men. And there's no explanation behind what's going on. This is Women's History Month. Not that it really matters when it comes to basketball. However, there should be a show of respect for the women out there for what they need to achieve as well. We all want to be supportive of the women. We want to be supportive of what they do, be it whatever sport it is. But right now we're concentrating on college basketball and the big dance that it is, the the tournament, the March Madness tournament, call it whatever it is you want. It is up and running as of the last 24 hours or so. Some interesting games. I, you know, I, people are talking about upsets. First week should be no upsets. I mean, really shouldn't be. I mean, outside of what a 16th seed does to a number one seed has only happened once before, and that was a few years ago. And I'm not going to rub salt into the wounds of Virginia fans and, and what have you. But it's just the fact that right now we really don't see much upsets. We see a lot of 12 seeds defeating five seeds, what have you, for those that follow basketball, what have you. But, I, you know, I, the commission himself is not going to take the time out to really recognize so much of March Madness because I think it really doesn't start to pick up till next week. Next week is when you start to see a lot of those big names fall. And interesting enough for this year, you don't really see a lot of the big names in the tournament. You don't see Duke in the tournament. You don't see Louisville in the tournament. You don't see Kentucky in the tournament. A lot of names are not there this year. And I brought this up about a week or two ago. This is no accident. This is the fact that when you go through years of recruiting, When you come across young men these days, the thought process is just a little bit different from where the coach's thought process is. See, a lot of these coaches are so used to having kids around past two years, two seasons. So we're thinking about teams that have players that may exist for three, maybe four years before they go off to the NBA or they graduate from college. But a lot of these big programs, big name programs like Duke and Louisville and Kentucky, the recruiting this year was a little bit different. Not that it was a bad recruiting day or a bad recruiting year. I think it was just the fact that with COVID and how it impacted a lot of people, how it affected a lot of uh, student athletes and what have you. We, this is what we're left with for this year, for this season. Next, next season will, of course, provide us with some insight as to how things may pan out for a lot of these college basketball programs that have been such a big force in the uh, big tournament around this time in March. But because of COVID, we'll say, the recruiting class just was not as great. So we can chalk that up to experience. We can just chalk that up to a pandemic. 
But I, I still firmly believe in this day and age, the younger coach prevails. The younger coach has a better understanding of where these younger men want to do with their lives. They understand that these men are not here just to play basketball. They're not here just for an education. They're here because they have to be here in order for them to go into the NBA. So the rules prevail. So it's a question of if you're good enough to go to the next level, but if you want to stick around for two years, you are more than welcome to do so. We accepted you. We extended a scholarship for you to be here. Take full advantage of the scholarship. If you're asking somebody like myself, of course, I think you take advantage of the scholarship for as long as you feel fit. If it's two years in and you feel as though you're ready for the NBA, by all means, do that. It, I think it's a it's it's a smack in the face of the people that run the NCAAs for a person just to be there one year of which they probably don't even take classes. And if they do take classes, it's probably just for a short amount of time before they realize I want to go pro. The question really becomes, can they afford to go pro? Are they good enough to go pro? Not everybody's fit to play in the NBA. And I got to believe if you stick it around, if you stick around long enough in college, then you get better your chances of playing NBA ball. But we don't want to wait that long. We feel like it's the here and now to accomplish something. And so therefore, I'm only going to stick around for a year. I'll do my thing. We'll do the March Madness thing. Hopefully we'll get a little title out the deal. But if not, I'm going pro. I'm making the big bucks. Okay, fine. Good luck with that. Chances are it may not work in your favor. Not everybody gets a chance to play NBA ball. So it's something to consider, ladies and gentlemen. And for those that may be going into college next year, maybe it's a little bit more important to get that degree than it is for you to go pro. Spend as much time as you can with the academics and then worry about the NBA later. So says the commission, uh, I don't have a lot of time. So I'm going to breeze through this as fast as I can. This was the first full week of the free agency market. And I, I gotta believe for fans all over the country, there are some of those that are highly excited about the new year and they're highly excited about the new season. And then there's some that are just saying, what the hell just happened? And I, I'm not gonna be the one to really stress all the teams. I don't have that kind of time. So I made a list of the top teams that I feel did a great job or improved in the free agency market for week one. And then, of course, I have a list of teams that didn't do as well by my standards, did not improve. And, and by means of saying did not improve, it doesn't mean that this team does not have the ability to improve. But given what the team needed, going into this free agency market starting Monday, this past Monday, what did you actually do to better this team? So I look at the top teams that actually benefited from this free agency market as of week one. And the names may not surprise you as much. I have New England without a shadow of a doubt. They must have picked up 12 guys, not, not even including re-signing Cam Newton. New England realizes that they have to get back in the winning tradition when they had Tom Brady. And for what they tried to accomplish this past season, I think they were fortunate enough just to go seven and nine. 
to be third in the division is not something that Belichick is happy with. But things could have been a lot worse for New England if they didn't have Cam Newton. So you had to bring back Cam Newton just for that factor alone. He is a person that can actually move the ball and put this team in the position to win for the time being. They resigned him for a year, 14 mil, which is a good fit. But then they went out there and they loaded up on defense. Then they loaded up on offense. They signed not one, but two tight ends in the free agency market. Good tight ends at that. With Janu Smith and Hunter Henry. Listen, as a fan of Washington, I was a little jealous when they picked up two tight ends. Because the first thing I thought of, Washington needs to do the same thing. And Washington's another team that improved. By signing the guys that they signed and Will Jackson, they signed Curtis Samuel, which I was so high on from jump. I've told a number of people, I even mentioned it on Twitter, that Washington had to go after Curtis Samuel because they need another deep threat on the offensive scheme. They need somebody else to help out Terry McLaurin, to help out Logan Thomas, help out, uh, uh, what's the brother's name? Sims, the the Sims brothers, I want to say, Cam and Steven Sims, if they're still with the team. This is what improves the offense outside of what you have in the running game. They even signed Lamar to Lamar Miller. And and not so high on Lamar Miller, but it's the fact that you have that veteran leadership out there. And Lamar Miller is not too far removed from being one of the better backs in the league. I believe he was a Pro Bowl back several years back in Houston. But what have you? It's the fact that Washington improves for that team. And then they got Ryan Fitzmagic as well. Oh, you can say whatever you want. This team, this Washington team, is in the position, almost in the position, practically in the position to become a threat in the NFC East for real. Because for what they needed to do on both sides of the ball, they accomplished. And they did it during free agency. And it probably didn't cost them much at all. Will Jackson's contract is high. Curtis Samuel's contract is high. But it's what you needed to do to better this organization, to better this team. They become a threat in the NFC East. San Fran's another team that benefited, improved this uh, this past week in free agency. They re-signed the top tackle in the NFL, Trent Williams which I'm still still depressed on the fact that he didn't stay with Washington, but I understand why. But I would love to have had him there in Washington, but it didn't pan out. I get it. But he signs six-year deal for almost close to $140 million with the San Francisco 49ers. And they get my other boy that I love a lot, Alex Mack. Now, Washington also signed another center. Name escapes me, but... It's just the fact that Alex Smith is the reason why, and I'll say this to the cows come home, it's the reason why they went to the Super Bowl with the Falcons that year, I believe it was Super Bowl 51. It was the Falcons and the Patriots, and they were in the verge of winning that game. They were moving the ball on offense, but they did not adjust their scheme. And before I digress any more about Atlanta, Alex Mack is a center that you want to have on an organization that can do well, progress. That he's a key, he's a key person, he's a cog to that team to make things go. Jimmy G is gonna love the fact that they have this man there at center. And they improve that offensive line to get that ball moving. 
both on uh, passing and with rushing. So good for San Fran. They improve Arizona, Salem more. They get out. They go out there and they get AJ Green. Now, of course, now they decide to let uh, Larry Fitzgerald go, which I wasn't big on either. But it's all about business. It's not to say they won't resign Larry Fitz, but Larry Fitz is 37 years old. So I guess they figure we got to go young or we got to go home. So Arizona, they, they get J.J. Watt and what have you. They're making some big moves. I like what they're doing. The Rams another team that's making some big moves on offense. The Giants. I got to show some homage to the Giants. You know, from the area, New York, New Jersey area, the Giants did some work. They went out there and got Kyle Rudolph. Kudos to them. Uh, they, they're still in the midst of working out some deals. They re-signed Leonard Williams to a big deal. They're, uh, they're um, defensive back. I'm sorry, defensive lineman for the Giants. They made some moves. I, I'll give it to the Giants. They know what they need to do to be a part of that division as well. Now, it's going to be very competitive, as we all know, between what Washington's doing, what the Giants is doing, and what Dallas has done with Dak Prescott. Look out for the NFC East this year. Look out for them this year. I'm telling you. Tampa Bay resigns most of their free agents. They're another team that improves. The Jets slowly but surely are improving. I like what they did on offense. They went out there and got a receiver, Corey Davis. Got some big names on, on, on defense as well. like what the Jets are doing. Cleveland's another team that improved on defense more so. Those teams stand out to me. The teams, the bottom feeders in the NFL. And it's, it's only because for what they were supposed to address, they didn't. Seattle, they re-signed Chris Carson. But what did they do about that offensive line? Pittsburgh, they went out and re-signed Juju uh, Smith-Schuster. But what did they do as far as they get a running game established? Houston is desperately trying to put pieces together in the fact that Deshaun Watson doesn't even play. And then you look at Cincinnati, they let a lot of guys go. Las Vegas, they let their whole offensive line leave. Everybody's disappearing from that team. A team that was probably that close to making the playoffs. It's almost like they start from the ground up again. Dallas, another team that has to improve on defense. They haven't yet. They resigned Dak to some money, but they really didn't do much else. And Philly, what can I say about Philly? You know, Philly is a team that, you know, I had them winning the, the, the division this past season. I really did think that Philly had enough on offense and defense to win the division. Of course, injury played a big role. And now it seems as though there was it became very confrontational amongst the team and players and staff. It was a mess. They fire their coach. They get rid of uh, Carson Wentz. And now they're starting from the ground up all over again. New coach, new quarterback new scheme and you know it, it's it's teams like this that should have taken full advantage of the free agency market and they didn't so it may really makes you wonder if they were just going to rely on the draft and if they do i get it that's fine but for a lot of these teams that are in the position to win now the time is now to jump on a lot of these guys that can help improve that team to take you to the playoffs. And there are some teams here that are just a game or two removed from making the playoffs, and they did absolutely nothing. If I had more time to research, I would have done just that. But this is what the end game is right now for the first week of the free agency market. And I'm not really fully disappointed with anybody. 
You know, I'm not disappointed with Washington, what they did. It's just the fact that the opportunity was there. Trent Williams was just signed about a day ago. So nobody wanted Trent Williams. You know, it's just it's things like that just didn't make any sense. But again, what do I know, right? I'm just another fan just talking here on my podcast about the NFL. I want to finish up by talking about the crime that was committed in Atlanta. This is a podcast that concentrates a lot on sports, but I also talk talk a lot about politics and social issues and and social media and and cultural issues that exist as well, because I feel like it's important for everybody to understand that there's more to do out in in this world, in reality, that doesn't necessarily pertain to sports. There are some things that hit heavy and hit hard to a lot of people at home. And for what we saw in Atlanta, it, it's it's a tragedy, a true tragedy. But the tragedy here is that this man decided to do something that we all know was linked to what I believe was domestic terrorism. It, it's asinine these these reasons for committing such evil crimes, things that could have been avoided, things that probably could have been worked out if he just left things alone. Just just drive away from the location find yourself in a position where you you can take your mind off something else where you don't have to kill people and and it goes beyond that it's just the fact that for what we see in this day and age and with everything else Deshaun Watson's another one that came up recently in the news regarding his issues with um, he has seven lawsuits that are filed against him with these women that are accusing him of sexual misconduct, harassment, so sexual abuse, and oh my goodness, this is what I this is what I really want to say. Call it what you want, it, whether it's hyperbole or not. These men have to get their act together for real. There's no other way to sugarcoat this. These men of power, these men that feel like they have control, they have the money, they they do all these things and they feel as though they can do this because they're strong enough to throw their weight around so that they can get what they want and get away with it. And it's evil to the highest degree. There's no reason why you have to do any of these things. If you're that hard up for a woman, listen, there's other ways we could do this. There's other ways that you can make this work for yourself where you're not putting women in a position where they feel inferior, where they feel vulnerable. And you look at all the other men that's involved over the last few weeks or few months, Mickey Calloway, Jared Porter. Uh, you're talking about Robert Kraft some time a few years ago. Listen, let's not forget about Robert Kraft and what he did a few years ago in Florida. He got arrested for prostitution and solicitation? Are you kidding me? And these are, these are people that have power. They have name. They have structure. They have money. And, and, and you mean to tell me this is the best we can do? Governor Andrew Cuomo? This is, this, this is, this is insane. That men of power have to find other ways to pleasure themselves by abusing women. And, you know, I, we, we can go on and on about this. And, and, and I wish I really had the time to do so. But the truth of the matter is this, people. There is nothing wrong with men to go out there and just become the people that we expect you to be. If you're in the limelight, if you're, if you're in politics or sports and you have a, you've made a name for yourself for so long, 
What joy do you get out of harming and degrading women, abusing, harassing, insulting women? And there's got to be other means and methods that put you in a position where you don't have to do this. You mean to tell me that your weakness is to go out there and just take full advantage of women and feel like there's, that there's nothing wrong with it, that you're getting away with it? You have you've become the biggest insult to so many men that have been doing it the right way for so long, where they didn't have to abuse women. They didn't have to manipulate women. They didn't have to harass women. And then you see these things happen in the news and it really, really gets it gets to your stomach. You're just so upset. You're so distraught by this. This is this is unnecessary. It's unacceptable for people, for men that have been around for years in politics, and sports, and business, that you feel like you have to do this to women. Shame on you guys for having to do this. Whatever happens to any of you, if proven guilty. You need, they need to throw the book at you for real. So says the commission. This is still a sports show that at some point, you know, we have to talk about a lot of these other issues that should come up, should, that should surface because it's just as important, maybe more important. And I feel like I need to spend the time to do so. And, and I hope for those that have been listening, you can understand where I'm coming from that, you know, as much as I want this to make this a podcast that involves sports, it's really about everybody else. It's about the other people that put other priorities first. So with that being said, I am the commission. You've been listening to the Kneel Down podcast. I wish everybody the best this, this coming weekend. Enjoy the games. Enjoy the free agency market. This coming up week is going to be a little bit different. A lot of those big names are gone, but we'll see what happens. Peace and love to everyone out there. I'm out. <laughs>